How's it going, guys? I'm Wes. I'm Ed. And I'm Dan. Welcome to the wedding. And today, as you all know, we're wrapping up part one of The Light of the Jedi. We're pretty excited about this, uh, even though no one's listening. <laughs> oh, well. It's just us out here tonight. A lonely, rainy night. Just kidding. It's actually quite nice out. Um, but anyways, I'm going to let Darren take it away with our little introduction here to the, to the final episode of part one. So, part one, we read from chapter 14 all the way to the uh, interlude, right before part two, Mm -hmm. uh, starting at chapter 14. The third horizon, 25 minutes to impact. The longest Avar Chris chapter, at least the longest, I think, that we've gotten to this point. Yeah. I think the next one might be a little longer. Yeah, I would agree Mm -hmm. the next one with her is longer. And it's also a little more important. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so this one, this chapter is mainly about... um, Avar Chris just it kind of uh, highlighted the communication she had with the other Jedi in the system, uh, and you also went back to her having a feeling of something being wrong. Mm-hmm. And in this chapter, we find out what's wrong. Uh, that being a piece of a fragment uh, containing liquid Tybana. Yes. Which, from what we understand, is quite volatile. And uh, I know part of it is the specific reaction it was going to have. With, with sun. the the nitrogen sun, mm-hmm. I think that was the important thing that it was like a nitrogen sun. Yeah, uh, yes. which would imply it's a, it's a quite a, it's got to be quite a big star. Yeah, and, and it's a, also said that like if you know this impact occurs with this projectile in the sun, then it sounds like it would essentially go supernova. The, yeah, 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 it'd the be system, double the size. It said, which yeah. is crazy. And, and it's <laughs> sending heat and radiation throughout the system, killing everybody. Yeah. So this is a pretty big stakes. Yes. Uh, Incre- time. Incredibly large problem. I also like this chapter just because, and this chapter and the next chapter with Avar Chris, um, because I think it done a really good job of showing how each of the Jedi feel the Force. Specifically, this one's just more about Avar Chris. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, because they mentioned the whole song thing, but I think this one sort of tells a little more accurately just, like, what they mean by that. Like, not everyone mm-hmm. feels like a song of the Force. Yeah. Specifically, Avar feels that, which I thought mm-hmm. was cool. And it definitely goes in later on in a different chapter of, like, each person feeling a different thing in the Force yeah, well, to connect. Yeah. yeah. That's in the next chapter with uh, Avar Chris. Some, mm-hmm. some really beautiful ways of that people like sense it and feel it too. I, I thought it was really cool to just get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that we see here is uh, the Chancellor was worried that this entire ordeal was uh, an attack on the Republic. Yeah. And it's not necessarily itself an attack, but it, I mean, it is a, a form of aggression. The obvious denial, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't. Purpose. I don't think it was meant. I don't know if the Nile meant. To attack the Hetzel system, mm-hmm. you know. I feel like they were just trying to cause yeah, problems, just to destroy. But the it show. says in the the Chancellor in the chapter was like, "Hey, how are we going to prevent this problem in the future?" Because they're thinking long term, yeah. which is a really interesting thing. Because like, I mean, this is outer rims; they don't really know much about it per se, and they just had an attack that they think happened. Yeah, and they know it's like you know it's this anomaly, basically. Like, mm-hmm. when does hyperspace ever have this happen to, to ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do believe there's a line, I don't think it's in this chapter, I think it's in one of the further ones where it's just like, hyperspace is acting up and we don't understand why. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's definitely quite horrifying. I mean, you know, imagine if all of a sudden highways just started shifting. You know, like yeah. you're, you're driving, you're driving to, to campus or you're driving to your place of work 
and all of a sudden you just end up like going towards Utah. Well, like, I was wondering to Utah. So it kind of talks about well, earlier how like the two ships collided it and how it's not supposed to be like that or what's going to collide. Like, think of our highways where you're on your right side and then all of a sudden you see a car coming towards yeah. you. It's just like that kind of thing. But they well, don't it's, know. It's like getting instantaneously T-boned yeah. is almost what happened. Because didn't it sort of appear like perpendicular to, yeah, mm-hmm. to the ship? It would be like if you looked both ways at an inter- intersection, saw no one coming, and you went, and you still got hit. Yeah. You know, like, somehow, where did they come from? Just, yeah. Except that you get, get completely decimated. Yeah. You know, like, and multiple. Then, then billions of lives <laughs> are now at stake yeah. because... Um, <laughs> because of some unforeseen accident that, you know, at the end of the day, no one knows what caused it because yeah. then they just drive off. Yeah. And I mean, no one will know until later. Yeah. Now I'm surprised you haven't brought up the man Tar figuring oh. this out. Was oh, he in this chapter? He is. I thought he was in the next chapter. Nope. He is in this one. He, um, is the one that put up all the satellites yeah. and oh, yeah, so they got the information from him. Um, so it basically talks about like how Tar figured out by the liquid leaking a little bit and being able to run an analysis of what the um, liquid was. So it's really interesting how like Tar is like the big savior kind of yeah, this. I, and yeah, if we remember earlier, Tar was the man. I mean, mm-hmm. he was kind of a G, no lie. And, Stan's uh, favorite man, right there. Yeah, and I mean, it says here that he diverted, Tar was the boy. He yeah. diverted everything he had to get this scanned. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just kind of shows how much they trust uh, Avar Chris, really, because I mean, she just kind of came in here. Uh, Tar doesn't know who Avar Chris is. Yeah. He, has no. No, he has no clue, but I mean. He's just doing his job. Yeah, he's very he he's a laudable person for sure. And I know it talks about um, the admiral where he took her under his wing, no matter if like she was part of the crew or not. She was mm-hmm. on his ship, and at that point, she was part of his crew. Yeah. Well, like really cool you know, Cronara has a lot of respect for Avar Chris clearly mm-hmm. for being able to like stay so calm and, and, and just being a great leader. Such a hectic situation. Mm-hmm. Um. But that's a. The, there's not too much else to talk about with this chapter, so yeah. I think if you guys are ready, we can move on move to chapter on to 15. Chapter 15. A lot more uh, important, just in terms of actually doing things. You know, oh, yes. Chapter 14 just kind of introduces a scenario that gets resolved later. This is a resolve but This resolves a scenario that we talked about in the last episode. Yeah, so this is chapter 15. Hetzel <laughs> System, above the fruited moon, 20 minutes to impact. So here we're, we're following... Uh, Joss and Pika Adrian and the uh, three Jedi Vectors. Still going to read it as Arden every time. I'm sorry, guys. I'm dyslexic. Figure it out, man. (laughs) Uh, So here, uh, this chapter is basically uh, Joss's plan that we heard about uh, last time. Uh, They put it into action Mm -hmm. uh, to slow the fragment. Basically, you know, our Jedi are are reaching out with the Force, kind of almost grasping it with their minds and slowing it down just enough to where they can get their mag clamps on there. And they do successfully uh, get it under control and slow down to a stop. Which I think there's a um, part in there where it talks about how the clamps, the um, string on it, got so small to like a micro yeah. organism size. And it was still holding like it was nothing. But the clamps were actually coming off because it couldn't hold all that weight. Which is really cool to see like this technology that we don't have on Earth. but So far advanced. Yeah, it's it, basically like our carbon fiber but like way better because it can get so thin 
and stuff. Yeah. Which, yeah, well, that was the whole point of why he wanted to use it, was that, like, passing through the electrical currents could, like, affect the tensile strength and, like, the, the size of the cables, mm-hmm. which was... It seems really important. It seems really impressive. It's some. It's one of those scenes I would have liked to have actually like visualized. See. Yeah. I mean, I can I can visualize it. He does a good job of like providing mm-hmm. images and like describing the action. But it's it just one of those things that would have just been cool to like see portrayed. It keeps in like an artistic form adding on to like where we want to see this in a movie or an anime or like oh, this yeah. would be a great anime thing. Oh no, to definitely. see like it. Visualize into the like string itself, go all the way down to a microorganism, now, and then th- back up. This could definitely be a really good um, anime. Probably not. I don't know if the obviously we'll have to see as we keep reading the novel. I don't know if the entire novel could constitute a whole season. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know how y'all are feeling. I feel like it's it's really good for sure. I just don't. I know. feel like it'd be a mini series type thing. I don't think it could be like the Clone Wars type. Uh, honestly, I was saying, I think it would be, maybe not in terms of animation, but um, a, a series like The Clone Wars, I think, would work really well, mm-hmm. because you can tell such confined arcs and switch from characters really easily, yeah. which is what they're doing here, and it, it does kind of remind me of The Clone Wars It does, it's just, I feel like it wouldn't be, well, I mean, we don't know all of it yet, but I feel like it would get dried out real quickly with a longer storyline. Well, that, but that's the whole point of, like, the multiple novels, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, which we only are on part yeah. one of We're on one. the very first novel of yeah. what is going to end up being, I'm assuming, like, a six-novel series just for the adult novels, and then you've got all the young adult novels. I think there's two of those out as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's already four, you know, full-length novels. Of course, you've got, like, children's novels, but I don't think those are really... That's our effect. droid episodes. Yeah, yeah, those <laughs> are the droid episodes. I don't think that's going to affect the continuity that we'll be reading as much. Mm-hmm. You know, and we'll see if the young adult even, like, dips into the stuff that this talks about. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I, I would assume not, just because you would want to keep them kind of separate, especially since most publishers are going to seek out young adult novels to... Identify a particular audience of these, and they're really just to sell more copies because mm-hmm. young adult sells way more than uh, adult fiction copies. And yeah. Absolutely. Unfortunate because this is a really great novel, and I think you could bill this as a young adult I, novel. There's I nothing about think it. it could be. Yeah, there's um, nothing about it that's too adult. The only think. adult thing really is probably the language per se. Like it's harder words but even then it's I mean, they still like damn it once <laughs> well i'm talking about like the complexity of the yeah grammar. yeah the complexity of yeah the okay i could see what you mean there but even then i don't see a lot of like really large compound mm-hmm. sentences because think about so harry potter is a young adult yeah where this is an adult you can see the difference in grammar and i stuff. mean but it's not like reading faulkner <laughs> no it's no. it's not like picking up the iliad or you know, one of these Odyssey books, and be like, uh, I don't know what this says, but you know what I mean. It's definitely harder in words for grammar, but it's still an easy read. Yeah. You know what that grammar did a great job of doing in this chapter was showing actually how the Force kind of affects the psyche and the physical form of yes. these Jedi yeah. differently, especially like because doesn't Tayami begin to like she starts sweating. she almost she has like um, 
She excretes these uh, disgusting oils. Mm-hmm. She what starts like feeling a, the oil, like from... a fight or flight reaction almost. Mm, it was yes. like a it was like a learned evolutionary behavior for her people from like before they became spacefaring. I will. That was say, very interesting. I will say Charles Soule did a very good job in these chapters of how the Force affects the Jedi. Yeah, no, he definitely. Like he, he gets the force later on. Like we see Jedi completely going down because of this and causing them to oh. die. Yeah, we'll get to that. I do. I do like his interpretation of the Force, though. I agree. Like it it is really pervasive through all people. Like everyone feels it. Like it's like our visions episode where like the bridal talked about how the Force is one. Yeah, and everything's connected, which is really cool. Yeah, I do like how they showed that reaching out like this puts quite a bit of strain on just you know jedi knights here like these are like pretty well trained jedi yeah. knights and they're straining themselves to a point where like they're kind of almost passing out and there. i mean it's a really good force feat you know if you really think about it like yes i can't think of much off the top of my head canon anymore that's more impressive than slowing down an object moving at near from a speed distance too yeah like, I mean, it, they're talking about far distance having to still fly as, their vectors and as well as like coordinating that with two non-force users who mm-hmm. they can't communicate with instantaneously like they can with themselves yeah it's, it's a it's a really impressive sequence and honestly this this was a great chapter yeah, and it was what three jedi knights that were able to yeah like, stop. Uh, three jedi knights in a panel because yeah. uh Buryaga was also helping mm-hmm. them but I think Buryaga is pretty pretty powerful with the Force. If I just he seems like strong. he has like an actual inkling yeah. towards it. I, I do hope he... I think it would be hard to write him as a main character, just because... He's a uh, yeah. He can't speak I, the common language. I could see him doing like a... Kind of like a young adult book. Kind but of I think it would be fun yeah, yeah. To, to see him highlighted in a more important aspect. It would probably be more of his inner thoughts than yeah. dialogue. Because he was, he was kind of like overshadowed in this chapter... Too, cause yeah, like, I mean, he's like Tiami was definitely the main Jedi Knight. Yeah, Tiami's one of the POV characters we've had so far. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they don't switch POV that often mm-hmm. in terms of like who they establish as our POV character is going to end up being our yeah. POV character for at least a little while. Yeah. Avar Chris is always our POV character in the Third Horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bell was always our POV character when we were with Bell and Loden. Yeah, and I think what's really cool is um, talking about how the Force strains the body. Um, Miguel, Mikel, Mikel, yeah. Um, where he like was trying to talk to Tiami and all them, and like you could hear his voice, like his actual voice, not the uh, calm translating him. I think or, I think it was like specifically that his um, I think it was more of just like a hyperbole that like he sounded so strange that even his communicator sounded mm. like it was, was conveying yeah. his, his his own emotional strain. Yeah, I took it as like it couldn't understand what he was saying so it just came out as his normal um, like communication which is really cool to see. Well this was definitely this was an interesting chapter. It, it was fun to read. Oh yeah, and, and of course they saved countless yeah. lives on the fruited mm-hmm. moon. And nothing beats yeah. Captain um, Adrian's voice coming over the comm. I really didn't think that was going to work. <laughs> like, I mean, that's a, that's a classic Star Wars line. It yeah, is. You know? 
And Tiami Jean, like, hey, you know what? It was your idea. We couldn't have done it without you. Because he was like, I didn't think we could do don't, it. Yeah. Don't ever tell me the odds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Type thing. It was very impressive. I felt like it was definitely a Star Wars chapter. Like, mm-hmm. classic no, opening that, scene of... That's, like I was saying earlier, like, Soul just... He definitely has an appreciation of Star Wars, and you can, you can see you it. You can tell he grew up on Star yeah, Wars. It, yeah, it really bleeds through in the literature, which, if you're a big Star Wars fan like we are... Um, you would love it because it's it is just like reading. It feels like reading Star Wars. It's like if you get the um, Revenge of the Sith book that they have, mm-hmm. which there's a lot of like yeah. deleted, novelizations in there. Yeah. of of the movies are supposed to be pretty interesting mm-hmm. reads because it's basically just watching the movie but in yeah. book form. And that's kind of how I feel about this. It's like it reminds me of like the writing of uh, Filoni and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it reminds me a lot of like the writing of. Rebels, just how Rebels is written as a show. This I mean, book is written in a similar, like, high-quality vein. I mean, even Dave Filoni, he created um, Ahsoka Tana, who everyone is like, oh, I love Ahsoka. And, yeah, like, he created like, him. The, him? <laughs> <laughs> created her. Yeah. Uh, no, Filoni's definitely probably one of the most beloved people in Star Wars right now. And for I mean, for good reason. Yeah. You know, he, he and Favreau gave us the Mandalorian and... Favreau helped a little bit on the Clone Wars. It was mostly Filoni, though. Mm-hmm. Filoni. Filoni. You're full of Filoni. Yeah. All right. And Filoni I will detected. say, the way this chapter ends, it said something was very, very wrong. Which, I mean, this is when we yeah. start figuring out more. Well, because... Um, Avar Chris had reached out. Yeah, Tayami was feeling Avar Chris's, Chris being like, yo, dog. Yeah. Because we they were like, lie. they were like, job well done. And then all of a sudden, Avar kind of get job it. not done <laughs> <laughs> and that with that we'll move on to chapter like, 16 the, the heavy heart we move on to chapter, chapter 16 solar array 22-x 10 minutes to impact so we're back with the boys as you can tell has a really happy ending yeah. <laughs> follow bright and intamin and peebles back onto the station yeah. we're rescuing people with a pill droid we follow bright He's, he gets Bright and Peebles are Bright and Peebles on, the, on the ship. Bright and Peebles are rescuing people while Inamin's down at the reactor. Uh, Bright's like, oh, okay, you, you got the guy. I'm going to go get Inamin and we're going to get the hell out of here. So he sends him back, brings the pill droid down because he has a plan. Right now, Inamin is just, you know, he's putting in this, this little code sequence to prevent the reactor from yeah. hopefully exploding. And, and he has to stay down there. That's the important thing. Yeah. Like, he even he, said, like, he was like, um, Bright was like, "Hey, where are you at?" And, and he's like, uh, "About that, I have to stay down here to do the code." Yeah, yeah because if you step entering the sequence, it could Ba-boom. possibly just become unstable immediately. Mm-hmm. So the, the the idea is that they're going to have the pill droid, you know, just do the sequence instead. Great idea. Mm-hmm. Until it's droid. not a great idea, <laughs> because of course, after Bright sends Inman up to the ship, you know, this is like we have seconds before maybe this thing explodes. We have no clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bright's about to show the robot how to do it, and what does he see? Another person. Well, no, Bright has, Bright has actually shown the robot how to do it. He's on his way back, mm-hmm. and, and he senses a Twi'lek with his with his tentacles. Yes, with his nice little tentacles. Yes, and you could see his realization. He's like, "Fuck, yeah. I guess I'll go." Yeah, save I think, this I think it's like sort of described like he's like he like almost his life flashes before his mm-hmm. eyes. He he considers like what he's done, what he wants to do. He accepted, and he, yeah, he's he's like he's like well. 
Yeah, it's he, my time. He was like, because he knew he couldn't pick up the Twi'lek. He was yeah. dead Oh, he, he tried. Yeah, he literally yeah. could not move him because he was unconscious. And he's like, well, I can't pick up dead weight. Yeah. And he's like, fuck, I guess I'll go yeah. get the pill droid. Yeah, and you know what he could do? Is put in those codes. So that's exactly what he did. He mm-hmm. set the pill droid up with the Twi'lek, got them all out of there. They all live. But Bright doesn't make it. Now, here's, here's a question I wanted to ask. This is one of the few chapters where I think there's some, some room to ask this because it's one of the first major points of a character dying in a, in a way that could have potentially be avoided. Um, what do you guys think about Bright dying? I feel like it's the it's exactly, noble thing. It's exactly what I thought Bright would do. Yeah, because last week we talked about how we thought Endermen was going to die because yes. he's down there and we're like, he's not going to have time. And then reading the chapter, as soon as I started seeing the idea of how there was a problem, I was like, oh, Bright's going to do this thing. I didn't think he was going to have the pill droid do it at first. Yeah. I was like, that's a smart man. Yeah, I was like, all right, yeah, they may get out of here. And then well, the toilet. The <laughs> I mean, I get, because they thought there was only, what, seven people? And he was like, well, there was actually eight. And yeah. it's crazy to see, like, how sad that was, too. Because, like, I mean, we didn't know Bright for that long, but we... Did know him for a long Dude, time. Dude, I feel I feel like I know my man Bright. Pretty well. I, yeah. yeah. No, the the first chapter he's in, the first two chapters he's in, he you get a really good picture mm-hmm. of who he is as a person. Now that's one of the things Solo does very well. But I want to pose this scenario to you guys because I think this would have been interesting. I don't, I'm not going to say it would have been more interesting. I like this chapter. I like the way it ends. It mm-hmm. was it was perfectly sacrificial. It was perfectly written, and it was it was in character. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to pose this other scenario, and I think it would have been interesting. Instead, what I thought was going to happen was that Bright was going to say that, um, that Enderman was going to say, you know, hey, i got to stay down here. Because mm-hmm. I, I, as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah, i got to stay down here. I thought he was going to stay down there. I thought Bright was going to try and get down there, uh, like keep talking to him for a minute, and then Enderman was actually going to like somehow seal the ship and like force the ship to to undock hmm. so to to specifically save Bright's right. life and that's what I thought was going to happen I'm it not saying of, this would have been better it, it, it not, came off like that at the beginning I just want to know what you guys would think like if that had been the situation would we feel the same way I feel like I feel like it would be in character for Enemy. I mean mm-hmm. you could see his hesitation whenever Bright was like go on ahead without me I'll be right behind yeah. you he knew in that split it, moment Enemy must have known that well, something could have happened Enemy literally you could tell in the beginning of the chapter, he was like, I've already accepted my fate of dying. Yeah. yeah. And you could tell that he was like, he was ready for it. Yeah. And then Bright to come in and save him. I feel like kind of made Inman like, no, I want to do this, please. And I think he felt relief though. I mean, he felt relief, yeah. but then you also see that like... He did. He, he did. I think specifically there is a line that says like his face like... Yeah, little like white it's in the middle off yeah. of his like cheeks or something. But at the end of the chapter, it talks about how Bright and Enemin are talking to each other, and you could just tell like how sad Enemin is that he is not the one that's going to die from this yeah, tragic thing. Clearly, both Peebles and Enemin really admire Bright and his way of leading his mm-hmm. crew. I mean, just from the couple chapters that we've read with Bright, like he just seems like such a pers- personable guy, very easy to relate to, uh, no problems with mm-hmm. him really be very yeah. easy to work under and I love the way the chapter ends with like oh I don't like how it ends but like I like you how don't, it's you don't like that he dies yeah. but, but you, the way yeah. it ends it's like it says captain we are our way and Amin said we are all the republic 
damn right bright said we are all but and then ends there and it says he yeah. and light and nothing more yeah it made it seem like bright at least died peacefully yeah yeah and quickly I, I think the one reason I would maybe have preferred the Enemen sacrifice over the Bright sacrifice is because I could have seen Bright going on to be an important character. Yes. And I think the loss of Enemen here would have changed him, and I would have really liked to have seen that. Because I don't see Enemen coming into his own as a I see him, POV character. I, just, I don't I, see him as a POV, but I see him helping... Avar Chris maybe on like a no I, I think he'll continue his service in the mm-hmm. Republic but specifically I think Bright's reaction to a scenario like this to losing someone especially you gotta imagine it probably would have been the first time he'd lost someone under his command mm-hmm. they're at a time of peace yeah you know like the worst they're gonna be he dealing with about... is probably marauders and yeah. marauders are probably just ill-equipped to deal with like yeah. An actual Republic battalion. Mm-hmm. I know it talked about how Bright loved his crew, which tells me that he's been with them forever. Yeah, like he was like Enemin's like basically a son to him type thing. And Peebles, yeah, he doesn't see eye to eye with Peebles sometimes, but he's yeah. like he's a Peebles. good worker. <laughs> Peebles, if he was the one on the bottom, he'd be like, "No, Bright, you come on down here. I'm out." <laughs> oh yeah, Hold me. I don't want to stay. Peebles is not the self-sacrificing type. No. But he's sure. a very good person of, like, healing. Because um, yeah. you see in the chapter when he um, sees, what is the Anzion? He, he clearly cares about people. He was like, oh, is it a baby? And then he was like, oh, it's not, but it needs he- medical help real badly. So he clearly cares, but he doesn't want to be in the fight. Yeah, I think overall, really, like, it's sad to see Bright go, but it makes the most sense. I mean, he was... Obviously, just such a good leader. He would never let his people die. The captain him. goes down with his ship yeah. type thing. Yeah. Like, yes, his ship leaves, kind of. but like, this is like his this, mission. This, he this, can't. This, yeah, this is his final mission. Yeah. Like, there's, yeah. there's no way this man was gonna leave there. I, I see the I see the merits of of both, and I I definitely agree that I think in terms of emotional impact, Bright dying is probably heavier. Mm-hmm. I just think it would have been interesting to have seen the the character transition I Bright feel could like, have taken. I feel like we kind of thought Enemy was going to die, so maybe that's why Soul was like, no, I'm going to make sure Bright dies yeah, type thing. Because we're already getting so many twists and turns of like all these people dying. Yeah. And it, it's crazy to see that. Yeah, I, I am interested to see like uh, if they actually go off and you know spin off with Peebles and Enemy some more because, I mean... Sure, our POV character Bright died in this like little arc of ours, but I mean, it's not like they can't be significant. No, it, it is on. it is possible to switch POVs. It, to it'd one be of them. pretty excellent, like if later on, like maybe we do see like from Enemy's POV, and we we kind of just get like a, a huge amount of information about him mainly. Because I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we we kind of know who we Inman got a lot is. about Bright. Yeah, we definitely didn't learn as much about Enemy or Peebles. Yeah, because Bright through Bright's just inner monologue, quote unquote. It's not really an inner monologue, just. There's, he, a, there's an introduction to him. You could tell that he only knew certain things about Enemen and Peebles. Like, he wasn't yeah. going in-depth on, like, research on them, which is really cool to see that, too. In the same way, it would have been cool to see Bright's transition as a character. I think Enemen's transition as a character now that his mm-hmm. captain risked his life to save him. That would be a pretty now, interesting transition. No, I, I agree. Transition. It, it just all depends on whether or not Enemen... Okay, do you think Edelman can come back and be an interesting POV character? I think he's going to have a really bad PTSD. Oh, that's And true. I think yeah. that's going to be really interesting to see how but that goes. I, I think the big question is, you know, do do we think Edelman's story 
is done here, you know, and you can definitely make the argument it's not, it's open-ended enough. The problem is, do we think we need to see more from MMM? I, I, I don't know if we need to see more, but I need, I think I, I think I need more of him, yeah. because I want to see him succeed with this problem. I get that. Just I just think Bright would have set up better for, like, wanting to see more. He seems like more of a favorable character to talk about where Enemin's yeah. not as favorable, but you kind of want to know more. But about it could set Enemin up to be a very interesting mm-hmm. character. Yeah, and that's why I'm, I would be excited to see Enemin because this setup, I think this could be just a setup for Enemin. So I got one Sorry. question. We all figured that Bright was going to save that person kind of just reading through. Yeah. But what if he didn't? What if he went on? That I mean, I honestly wouldn't have liked the chapter. You wouldn't have liked it? That no. would have been an interesting change of character. Because you, honestly, I would not have expected it. I wouldn't have expected it, but also, you got to think, he was unconscious type thing. It, I wonder if, like, it went through his head. It definitely went through his head of, like, do No, I going through his head, definitely, everyone's going to consider that. that mm-hmm. That's just a, a basic... It's an option. ...mortal yeah. instinct that there's just a, a sentient desire to live. Yeah. And also, it shows that, like... You can have the perfect plan, but even if you do, you're still going to have a mess up somewhere. And the mess up was this unconscious person, and... They should have just shot Well, and remember, this was an unlisted crew member. There was only Mm -hmm. supposed to be seven. He was the eighth. Now, now we don't know if he was the unlisted crew member or if someone else was. Yeah, because it said, guess there was eight. Yeah. You guess Twi'leks or something? Huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I am. (laughs) Only against male ones. Yeah. And I love, <laughs> I love the transition of how it goes from, like, it talks about when they're doing the sequence, it's like it went from red, then it went back down to orange. Yes, it wasn't green, but at least it was something. And then each time it was less and less, and then the final one, it was staying in red. And then that's when he was like, well, right where you, or he was like, where you at? And he was like, oh, we're good. I hope you ain't here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I would die for nothing. <laughs> No, it's a, it's a great chapter. Um, great chapter. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about this chapter? I think we covered most of it. We definitely covered like the, the basic plot of it. and I, yeah. I think I, I am interested. I hope you're right. I hope we get more Venom in. I hope this is sort of a setup to have him become a more fleshed out character. I don't really know if there is a main character to the novel. It seems like there's just a series of characters yeah. that are very important to but the story. But it flows like, really good, too. It does, it so, does. Because sometimes when you get a bunch of characters and they're different stories, you can tell that it's like, oh, where am I even at? But this, it's like, it kind of flows. Yeah. Like, it did suck that we had to wait so long to get this, like, finale of what happened to Inamin and stuff, but I was still like, oh, in the back of my head, I was like, is he okay? Yeah, but like, just going through the chapters, like, if you read about him, you're like, you know, leave leave on a cliffhanger, like, you want to keep reading to it find out. It increases your dramatic tension. Exactly. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That is for sure. Are we all good for chapter yes, 17? Yes, I believe we're 16. ready to move. No, we were just on Now we're on 17, yes. yes. Uh, Hetzel Prime, the third horizon, four minutes to impact. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is a probably our most lengthy chapter that we've read and in this part. Probably the most important one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of important we figure stuff out what the impact actually is because we were thinking it was going to be on the planet when it wasn't. It was to well, the no, side. there was an impact on the planet. There, yeah, um, there, there was, but it it was in the farm. It didn't area. end up developing yeah. into anything. Like but they were talking world. about. The impact to the um, yeah. nitrogen sun. Yeah. So of this. Well, yeah. That, that that's that's the that, thing that was yeah. introduced in chapter fourteen. Fourteen at the beginning yes. of this. So here we have Avar Chris. You know she she stays on the Hetzel Prime while the Third Horizon leaves the system with the evacuation orders. 
for everyone to get out of the system, mm-hmm. obviously, because, you know, <laughs> pretty big disaster could happen. Uh, so, the, you know, Tabana fuels rocketing towards our star, hits it, the system's gone, basically. Mm-hmm. Everyone in it. So, th- th- this chapter itself, while they're trying to uh, redirect this projectile heading towards the sun, really was good, just as like chapter 14 was, not 14, or 15 was, with the different perspectives of the force. This chapter especially, yeah. describing like how some people see it as a sea. Mm-hmm. It talked about the force a lot, and it mm-hmm. showed that every Jedi has to be connected to the force to be able to stop this thing. Yeah, not not only just connected, but like I mean, they have their own perception really of how everything is around them, just mm-hmm. because of the way that the force interacts with them. The uh, chapter really did a good job of describing yeah. how you know e- each one saw the force as a, a different sort of entity almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe one person just saw it as like a deep and endless sea. Yes, yes, and, that was. And I I do love how the perception of the force affects how they see the surroundings. Sort of like whenever Avar Chris she lost the projectile for a minute, and, and she's a master. Yeah, and some other Jedi had to find it for her because she perceives it differently and was yeah. able to see yeah. it I more clearly. Who had to find? I feel like, I believe it was a knight too that found yeah. it. Yeah. Wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I, she I, could not find it. She found it and then yeah, she had found it. it initially. Yeah, and, and like broadcast it to everybody. Yeah. And she said, "Forgive me, but I need help." Yeah. yeah. Just, and they found it through, I think, a night where it was like in a window type. Yeah, no, item. it was interesting how it was like seen. She was like, it, it, it's, um, it's a distant object in a window of a room in a building far away, but it's there nonetheless. Yeah, and this Jedi could pinpoint it pretty easily, whereas Avar Chris couldn't. Mm-hmm. Now, you could attribute that to all the other stuff she's doing at the moment, yeah. but even still. Yeah. She's a master. This is a knight, and you know she needed help from a knight. It was yeah. very. Yeah, it, it shows that the force goes through everybody. Yeah, and well, like in different ways. Too. Yeah. So I was gonna go into a couple of the characters that saw. So Elzar Man is the one that you were talking about with the deep sea, yes. endless, which kind of fits his character of like how he's fearless and will go. It says in here that like Avar took a page out of his book where yeah, it's like I, I want he forgiveness was, he was the tinkerer yeah. correct yes yeah, he would be the one that would want forgiveness him. instead of permission ask, yeah I'd better to ask for forgiveness yes. than permission and then our man uh, Buryaga mm-hmm. he saw himself it's as like a nature it's like a yeah, forest right single leaf on a yeah. gigantic tree with deep dug roots and high um, limbs which, all, all of the descriptions were just beautiful it kind of the four showed in a way of how they were and their, like, natural, like, It tells states. a lot about their personality. Yeah, it, it know, like, directly reflected their personality. And obviously, Baryaga is, is very in tune with just nature. Yeah. Which I think shows how in tune he is the force. And then, like, Bell has this sort Bell's of unwieldy grasp on the force like fire. Yeah. You know, fire's... Strong, it's hot, but mm-hmm. you know you can't touch it. He danced with fire, and then Loden Greatstorm wind. danced with wind. Oh, oh. beautiful! Absolutely First off, great beautiful. duo right there because fire and wind they can just like feed each other. Yeah, kinda. no, it, and it makes sense too, given how good of a pilot Loden is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, they have, I mean, he literally like dances with wind earlier. It's just, it's a great description. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, past that, uh, it, they try to stop our. You know, debris from hitting the sun. 
the first, they'd have to do two different attempts. The first attempt, actually claiming the lives of several Jedi mm. because they're concentrating so hard. Yeah. They like well, some like, of the vectors. Yeah, because uh, the vectors don't have commuter systems. Yeah, they're so they're powered by the force. Yeah. And they said I think three of them collided into each other, yep. killing off three Je- Jedi knights, and then the last one barely holding on. You had the one guy that helped the youngling up on the top of a building and he just, and fell, he just fell 20 stories and could not catch himself before the end. Yeah. It, it was uh, pretty tragic. And we missed at the beginning of the chapter when Avar jumps off the um, oh, yeah. third, that, third that horizon. so cool. Because she was like, the best thing is not to argue. And she jumps yeah, off. So, and yeah. the way she like uses the force is slow fall, which we don't ever really see in canon. Yeah. Like We know about high jumping, but that's only like, let's say, 10 feet. This is like 1,500 feet. She was 100 yeah. meters. That's like 300 feet. Yeah, which just the fall and then the tumble, like naturally, like a parkour person, it's fantastic uh, writing. Yeah. I, I love how, even though this chapter barely talked about the Admiral here, uh, I loved how it said like she would he would never leave her behind because she was mm-hmm. part of his crew. Yep. Kornar is a really interesting character that I don't feel like we get enough of here. I, I, think, I do hope... He's still in it. I feel I'm like sure we'll get more of him forward. later on. Um, I don't know if he needs to be a POV character, but I, I just want to see like more. I think he will be a POV character though once we hit the next part where they're helping these people out, maybe and trying With to figure the, out more. The Nile. He's, yeah. he's a military man. It really true. Uh, he could probably be like maybe one of the the military tacticians behind mm-hmm. fighting the Nile because I know one of the things we looked up about the Nile was that. Their leader is a, apparently a great tactician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll be very interesting to see that later on. Uh, our second attempt to uh, change this object's course, uh, Chris actually feels Jedi from across the galaxy. Including Yoda! Yoda! Including yeah. Yoda from Coruscant. All the way from That just the, shows how powerful he is. Inner rim core worlds. I mean, we're talking like light years upon light years away. And the only reason and why... And he's still doing The it. only reason why this happens is because of Tar channeling yes. it to everybody. Yes. Tar, because at first it Tar's was just to the um I believe they, they even compare his feat of technology to a Jedi feat of the Force. Mm-hmm. They, they compared uh, what he did to what they just did with the Force. Mm-hmm. Because what he did was... You know, he took off it. all security codes from um, so to go to everybody because he was like this is my planet this is their planet if they're going out they want to be known yeah type thing. that's just such a cool thing uh, I do it's love the, the repetition while he's describing everyone trying to move it they're all trying to move it and mm-hmm. just the this italicized line that, that is repeated we will move it yeah we will move it, it, it and it comes in spurts, and you're like... Definitely shows just the will of the Jedi, though. Mm-hmm. You they know, I mean, their own lives. She, she says it earlier. She's like, nothing's impossible with the Force, bro. And, like, they yeah. say earlier where um, she's, like, talking to her comm, where she turned off all her responses. She's like, I felt no Jedi leave me. Which is very powerful, too, where you see these Jedi are in it together. They're not going to abandon ship to, you know... Save themselves. Yeah. yeah. Because the whole thing was, you know, the, the system-wide evacuation was there because, you know, the entire yeah. place And we explode. talked about, like, in our background episode where we're like, the Jedi kind of have flaws where this is actually showing us that yes, they have flaws, but they're still doing the greater yeah, good. Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely good people. The yeah. Jedi are, are definitely good people. Where our background, we kind of, like, went back and forth of, like, well, who is actually the good person? Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, I think overall they have 
they usually always have good intentions. But this is this is the problem with with that is uh, this is not a very nuanced uh, section. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a very cut and dry. There is a problem. The Jedi are taking care of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's not a lot of interpersonal relationships here. It's once we get into those, I feel um, like it's gonna be hard. Yeah. No, that's definitely where it becomes more difficult because that's the thing. I mean, Obi Wan was a war hero. You know, he saved probably mm-hmm. thousands, possibly even millions of people. But that doesn't mean Obi Wan was a good person at the end of the day because he's one of the reasons that Anakin was able to follow the dark side because he wasn't he wasn't the the master he wasn't the in some ways brother he should have been. Uh, but can we can we really blame the man himself, Space Jesus, for this? <laughs> I don't. You're right. <laughs> I don't know if we can blame him for his shortcomings here. Obviously, he wasn't the best master for Anakin, but I mean, honestly, he wasn't the one. Who but are, are you telling me in his personal relationships that Obi Wan was he got too connected. a good person? Because even his his relationship with uh, Sabine, S- Sabine, mm-hmm. no, no, Satil, right? I think so. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, Sabine is rebels. Yeah, yeah, even his relationship with Satil. Was you know it was imperfect. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't able to commit. And the Jedi have their problems. Yeah. It doesn't make them bad people, but it definitely it makes does. them if, flawed. Yeah, if you have flaws, you're a bad person. Honestly, <laughs> exactly. Mace Windu. If you are been. if you are a human being, you're a bad person. Now, yeah. Mace Windu should have been his master for, uh, sure. for Anakin, but like that's a different topic. Same, yeah, same, same for Bill. <laughs> uh, uh, um, so uh, at the end of the day. We save Hetzel's system completely. Yeah. Yes. Which well, is great. It says it was over. But it's not over. But in chapter 18, it starts out with it was not over. Chapter 18 is a very short chapter, but it is an important one. Setting up the events for this uh, next part. And no um, title at all for this chapter. It just says chapter 18. Yep. So we don't know where we're really at. Yeah, we're, we're, we're past the part, you know, when Hetzel uh, was in trouble. But now... Uh, chapter 18, we see fragments of the legacy run uh, hit the most densely populated planet in the Abdallah system. Well, of, a, of a relatively unpopulated yeah. it, system. It said that two of the three that came down did not hit anything really. Yeah, they just but the third one hit, hit right the past. most populated place on this planet. Yes. Yeah, the most populated city. De- destroying it instantly. Yeah. Uh, Probably destroying... A- great big chunk of the planet as well oh it said it vaporized and caused this soil and air to come up and create this reaction that made like really bad storm clouds basically Mm -hmm. it was probably a terrible death oh yeah i I, i'm sure it was quite instant though for most of those people luckily yeah the problem is it's like an atomic bomb it's instant for the people like standing right below it yeah for the people that are you know Dozens or, or maybe even yeah. hundreds of miles away from the city center are gonna, you know, have that cloud like, of ash that they have to breathe in and that kills them. It definitely is like a Fallout style thing where it's like this nuclear bomb hit and now they have to survive. I mean, we find out later in the next chapter that we're, we're gonna find out they're not gonna survive. No. So, uh, so, yeah, chapter 18 is pretty short, but it is important to know that these fragments impacted the Abdallah system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... It's not just the Hetzel system, so it hit multiple. Yeah. yeah. Which makes sense, I mean, because not all the fragments would break up and leave hyperspace at the same time, yeah. because they would have all, one, broken off at different times, and two, just like... Decelerated. In, it, well, in the, in the time of that thing breaking... Just the ability for it to break moving that fast is going to mm. scatter them so much. And it, mm. it's cool how it talks about how it was like 
this system is too far away for the Jedi to come save, too. Yeah. Like, that's really cool, because that makes you think, like, oh, they can't just jump from hyperspace to get there real quick. Like, uh, it's too far. Do you want to jump in hyperspace, buddy? <laughs> yeah, right now, who knows? Right now, but, maybe not. Yeah, I'll stay here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fine. But, like, they couldn't even... I am interested to see how they're going to, like, fight that problem. You know, it's like, how do you even fight an enemy that can be hyperspace. somewhere instantaneously? Well, well, see, the thing is now that... All they're learning right now is that there's some danger in hyperspace, so they've got to be like super cautious. But they need to use it. They don't have a choice. Yeah, I mean, they don't know if it's like a that creature would, living there. Or that would be like the athletes. Panama Canal getting blocked, but like worse. Yeah, like <laughs> on a on a galactic scale. Yes, yeah, it would be awful. <laughs> you know, like, um, say for instance, like the Hetzel system with all their like medical supplies that they create, like the back, you know, yeah, experimental yeah, back ho- hospitals. Galaxy wide, or at the very least, in the outer rim, would be without medicine for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this is gonna be interesting. This is the one thing that Star Wars. Some people don't like, but I, I love. And the, uh, the prequels tried to do really well that they don't. It's the the politics of it. Yeah, in the economy, yeah. really. Just yeah, all like the things that you don't really Wait, think about. I think books can do a better justice to politics oh, yeah, 100%. than movies. Because in the, a movie, you're like, oh, they're just making a deal on Trade Federation, and you're like, I don't well, care. Well, they can move a lot slower. Yeah. One of the big things about novels, uh, specifically, is that you can you could pace yourself. You could take yeah. your time explaining you that. things. Where, like, with movies, you got to be like... Plus, you can get inside the head of the politicians. Like, with Echo, we saw, like, he was just a farmer. Like, you're not going to get that in a movie. Like, yeah, you might wear farm clothes, and you're like, oh, he's a farmer. But you're not yeah, going to know his you, inner... You won't get the inner personal models. depth yeah. that... Because uh, all a movie could do is be like, oh, I want to save my planet. And that, that's about all yeah. you can really get from it, where you could see the emotion in a book. Yeah, no, exposition is just a lot harder. Like, adding in narrative exposition is really hard in movies where as that's like you know, all you're going to be doing yeah. in a novel. Where yeah. in a novel the combat is shorter where in movies it's longer and then the interpersonal is longer in books but yeah. in movies it's shorter it seems like yeah. so it's like that inner thing. but on to the to in- the interlude I don't know if I would have done this is an interlude. I would have just called it a chapter. It seems too important to just call it like an interlude. It seems important, but it's not how I wanted the novel to be introduced. I, I, I think the the last chapter could have been included in this interlude because it does feel like it's quite important to this changing from yeah, uh, just, yeah. disaster that just no one knows what's happening to disaster that everyone knows exactly I think what's a, happening. I think a small formal break would have easily been able to like just include... Because you do switch and like you're telling about this new character... Um, Gorello or whatever, whatever yeah, his yeah. name was. Well, yeah. the way it ends, too. So it goes from Lawrence. chapter 17 that has a title, chapter 18 that doesn't have a title, that's a page and a half, page and a quarter, to the interlude. You might as well just put that with the interlude and have the Nile as the chapter name. I, I just think it could have been part of it just because of the sheer fact that it, 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 it directly it's the same thing. It, yeah. it, it sets up the interlude. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the interlude, we follow uh, the chief executive of Gorello Technologies, Lawrence Gorello, and I love um, this guy's a cool guy. Like he, he literally says that like all the other business owners hate me for helping my employees because they're making money. It's an interesting 
And Class he, issue. He literally was like, I want these people to live because they made me rich yeah. type thing. He's the CEO that cares. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely one of the few uh, capitalists you can like in Star Wars. He's yeah. the one that everyone wants as their boss. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You're he, like, he, oh, I hope I get this man. He's the kind of guy who, like, when he says he cares about all his employees, he actually backs it up yeah. with, like, some He gets some you, like, facts. pizza or something for the Friday. <laughs> hits, like, him, ah. hits him with a bonus. Yeah. yeah. Something people care about. Anyway, so we were following him... Uh, He's using his company ships to keep his employees and his company afloat by getting them off planet because, you know, he's following that evacuation order. Mm -hmm. Uh, He offered some ships over to uh, the government of the planet, uh, but they're a little too corrupt and bogged down with bureaucracy to even care to help with this. And they're all about profit. They don't want to stop their business operations. Yeah, this seems like almost like one of those corporate colonies or something. It seems like an imperial It said it was a swampy land, which... Had Other basically than like factories. Just, yeah, it was basically just factories. Yeah, it said it was an ugly world, and it was even worse now since mm-hmm. it got destroyed. Yeah. Uh, so you know we have Lawrence Scarello. He's sending his people out on the ships. They're they're going to be leaving. He's here soon. also in one of the ships. He's in the convoy. He, he, he he's the one leading these ships yeah. because he talks about how the uh, mothership, the Maris Diligence, mm-hmm. which is named after his mother, mm-hmm. um, is behind him. Yeah, he's he's yeah. in the convoy. Uh, suddenly, electric storm, shots come out of the storm. Past his ship. Past his ship, destroy the ship right behind him. Which is the Marley's... I do think it is interesting, too, like, the almost legendary mythic aspect of the Nile, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because... They are just like they're described like although up until a few months ago people didn't even think they existed. Yeah, it's kind of like our ISIS when we were in or in high school where it was like who is this and then all of a sudden here they are. Right? Oh, yeah. Like we talked about they, you for a got, year ago. They got beefed up real quickly. Yeah, they're, they're very notorious. And, and they talk about it says later on that are they monsters or do they just have monstrous intents? Yeah. And then at the end, well, it was he like, does they say are they, they he they want to be seen as monsters. Yes. They want to be feared. Mm-hmm. Truly, uh, and it's also said that uh, no one f- survives fighting them, and there are very few survivors of attacks in yeah. general. Yeah, the ones that survive are the ones that do not attack. We're not today. No, no. not today. He even says it. He's like, I know I will not be yeah. one of those yeah, because <laughs> after that ship gets destroyed, out comes a big jagged. It looks like a scrap almost ship. Like yeah. if, if you think like Fallout Raiders. Think that kind of uh, just style, yeah. and this is kind of what you're thinking of with the Nile. Yeah, it's mm. it's almost like uh, it's rustic. It's it has spikes. It's bloody. It's mm. gross. It, it is yeah. everything they you take should what they fear. want and destroy what they don't. Yeah, exactly. They, it's everything you should fear. This ship coming up. It's sort of like uh, from there's a there's a great show called Firefly that was. Uh, oh, it got canceled mm. too early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, so you've seen it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, you know how they describe the Marauders in that show? I can't remember what the actual name for the Marauders are in that show. I cannot, but it's I kind can't. of like how, I feel like it's a lot about how they are described. It's very similar. You know, the, these really brutal, fear tactic, almost savage people. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and it's a similar thing. They're praying, uh, they're praying on people in like the outer frontiers yep. of, of known space. And when they saw the ship that was hitting them, that the Nile was... Uh, they talked about the symbol that they use. So it is three bright slashes down their sides, right? And then it looks like war paint. And then on the engines, it has a metal lattice, like a half moon filled with ripping or rippling green fire. So it's, that's it, their like symbol of like. It looks 
intimidating. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially coming out of like this storm cloud thing. I I think everything they have, the Nile, they're built for intimidation. Yeah. Which I'm trying to figure out. Certainly. Why did they hit this planet? Like, I get it's a factory place, but if they cause this huge, like, thing to collapse and create, like, make the Hetzel system get damaged and um, this place get damaged, why did they choose this place? Because clearly they didn't care about the Hetzel system. That just, I, that's why I, I don't think they really chose so much as, like, I, I would it assume they kind of followed the debris saw that the Jedi came to the Hetzel system and said, I don't really want to fuck with that yeah, right now. Yeah. I'm sure they, they were able to pick up that, like, there's a lot of Republican <laughs> Jedi uh, So, they're going activity. on this place, I guess, to get, like, resources because they're taking what they want. Yeah. And this place doesn't have that many people. So, if they want fear, this is not the place to go. Because, yes, you're fearing the 100 million or whatever on this planet, but you could do a lot more but on people, They have raw resources but, and money, though. People mm. are going to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that as well. Um, it seems like this is almost their uh, introduction to the world. They're, they're trying to, like, this is what they wanted to do to, like, show that they're a threat. Uh, yeah, I think this is, like, people, like, sort of knew about them in the Outer Rim. But I think this is really, like, them kind of, like, establishing themselves as a, um, you know, militaristic group out yeah, here. And, I, and kind of giving a statement to the Republic. Yeah, I, I agree. Because I think the reason they showed up in Abdallah is, is to claim victory basically and, and cleanse yeah oh yeah they're... take like the idea of like yeah we did this type yeah because like nobody wants to they do want it credit. and not yeah they yeah. want credit they, they want credit they want to claim the terror attack for sure mm-hmm. yeah but uh overall the, this is a great introduction to this novel the the part one mm-hmm. it's a great introduction to the high republic we get a little bit about Benal, but not too much. Yeah. We just know that they're fearful. I'm, I'm really excited to see more from them. So yeah, I, I can say that they did that well, even though I would have liked to have seen a little more than all. I would have lit, wish I could to see, like, maybe their leader or something. It was just kind of I was hoping for a Nile POV. Yeah. But I don't think... I, I guess Soul's not ready to give us that yet. Understandable. That's going to be in part two. Yeah, I feel like that would be something later down the line. Because, I mean... Yeah. It would be a little bit of a reveal and if we were just kind of learning about yeah. the reveal. Before sure. we end it, I love just at the end where he was like, there's not enough weapons because they're getting bored. Yeah. And he's like, military people get blasters first, um, first priority. Everyone else should get some type of thing to fight. Yeah. And, then, and then at the end, it was just like, yeah, we know. Didn't even matter. Because they used the, uh, the gas. gas. And Gary o, um, was like, I used to be able to hold my breath, but I can't anymore. And then as soon as he breathed it in, he saw that they were wearing a mask, and that's yeah. when he died. Well, we don't know if this poison killed him. Yeah. Per se, yes. But, but I have to imagine it didn't, and what they're going to yeah, do, I it's agree. really fucking yeah. torturing mm-hmm. these people. I, I don't think they have very good intentions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be... I don't um, think they're taking prisoners, <laughs> per se. Especially yeah. a CEO. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like the, what, was, what was his position? Chief executive? Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's going to live. No. Yeah. Probably not. And for him, just to see at the last second, the person wearing the mask, I mean, that's just such a thing. That's the part where it's like, they, they want to be seen. That, yeah, that is fear. Pure mm-hmm. fear. Um, but I, I'm excited. I, I really like this novel so far. Um, 
I'm excited to keep reading. I'm excited to, if we do end up reading any of the other novels in the higher public, I'm excited to just see where this goes mm-hmm. and what they do with the Nile as a whole. I wonder if the Nile are going to be the enemy for the entirety of the High Republic or if they're more of a stage one enemy and move on to different ones. I, I, they seem like a pretty big enemy. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think they could, but you know, I mean, we've got like years of the High Republic novels True. that we're about to get because I, mean, I think we're about to enter year two of... The High Republic. I can see them uh, making this into a war on to almost a scale, not not as much as the Clone Wars, obviously. Yeah. That, that was ridiculous, but almost in the same sense where you have like the Separatists and the Republic. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think we're gonna have like you know a pretty decent, you know, opposing faction here. Yeah. Uh, gain a lot of ground in the out- outer rim as well. Yeah, I can't wait to see their like file fighting or. Um, style fighting too because ferocious yeah it's very guerrilla attack yeah they're they're definitely not gonna be uh, fun to to fight at all i I think they're gonna pose some serious challenges um to the republic as a whole who's more used to fighting like traditional warfare uh i'm 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 interested that's for sure i think they're gonna be a really good villain to see later on uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, they've already, you know, sent a almost galactic scale uh, disaster our way. Who, who knows what their next move could be? Yeah. Especially since, you know, we already know that they can just kind of travel through hyperspace whenever they want. And yeah, which however they we kind of know from the background of how they do it, but in the book, if you don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, knowing that, though, it's just. I am excited to, like, really learn what it is. Though. Yeah, because, like, yeah. even our background, we got things yeah. wrong and we're like oh that's what happened yeah we interpreted the information incorrectly and mm-hmm. I'm, you know what i'm, I'm, I'm excited honestly i'm fine with having that wrong well I, I do think we've wrapped up this episode just about um everyone stay tuned for next monday's episode where we'll start part two i believe ed is taking over as sort of our, our moderator for the conversation uh, we're going to be heading through chapter 19 through um chapter 22 we're going to be ending on chapter 22 um, we're pretty, we're pretty excited. We hope everyone else is excited. We hope some people are reading along. Um, as always, follow us on Instagram. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, but if that's all, uh, I've been Wes. I've been Ed. And I've been Dan. And thank you for listening to The Wedding.